Hello, and welcome to the Object Chart Podcast. I'm Nick Van Exen. I'm one of your co-hosts today, and I'm joined in studio uh, today with uh, my good buddy, Jeff Zato. Jeff? Hey, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. Um, we have a pretty exciting show today. We're talking all about uh, Cosmos DB, uh, which is a globally distributed, massively scalable, multi-model database service. <laughs> Um, amazing words. Uh, <laughs> and we're joined, uh, yeah, with uh, uh, two very special guests today. So we've got uh, Dave Judd, who's Object Sharp's um, uh, practice lead for application development at Object Sharp, and uh, Mark Brown, who's the principal program manager at Microsoft for Cosmos DB. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we did an episode. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, how you doing? Good. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves then. So Dave, you want to uh, say a quick hello to the audience? Yep. So I actually did the original podcast with Nick 12 months ago-ish yeah. about Cosmos DB and have been working with the tech for since its inception, um, doing a bunch of neat projects. So um, and yeah, as Nick said, I run the app dev practice at Object Sharp and we're always out doing uh, new cool development in Azure. Awesome. And uh, Mark, do you want to uh, say hello and, and say hi to our listeners? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, Mark Brown. Uh, I'm a principal program manager on the Cosmos DB team. Uh, been on the team for about a little over a year and a half now, uh, but I've been on Azure uh, in various different teams uh, going back to oh, about 2010 and uh, been with Microsoft. Oh, God. Almost about 19 years, maybe almost wow. 20 years now. So. Yep, been around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a, a couple changes in the industry in your time, right? Yeah, tiny, just small changes. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, and maybe just before we dive right in, uh, a brief plug for Object Sharp um, for those who are new and don't really know much about us. Um, so Object Sharp is basically a digital transformation company located in Toronto. Um, we help and partner with companies large and small, help them design, build, and deploy the software that they need to succeed. And uh, what sets us apart really from, from other companies is that, um, one, we've got an embedded agile approach um, to how we do things. Two, um, we've got very deep expertise in uh, Microsoft Azure Cloud. Um, and three, we have a bias towards uh, automation and efficiency and, and all that. So I, I like that. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, for more information about us, you can find us online at objectsharp.com um, and on Twitter at objectsharp, um, object and sharp, which are two words, but one for the purposes of this company. Um, and yeah, uh, end of shameless plug. Let's let's roll on and talk about Cosmos TV. So, so, you know, because we have listeners from all different sort of, you know, phases in their journey to cloud and everything else, what I want to start off with is just, you know, let's take it a step back and uh, and get our guests and stuff like that to to really describe what is Cosmos TV, right? And, and, and you know, why we wouldn't have been talking about this five years ago. Um, and just a bit of an understanding of, you know, the technology and what it is and, and you know, why is this a ripe time sort of for this technology? So, uh, I don't know. Mark, let's get you to talk sort of first about it and, and you know, give us your input since you're uh, you're helping lead the development of that and, uh, and driving that out to the world. Sure. I mean, uh, Cosmos DB, it's hard to put into just a few words, but uh, <laughs> you it's can take fully more managed. <laughs> What's that? You can take more than a few words if you want. More than a few words. Okay. Uh, so Cosmos is, you know, at its heart of a NoSQL uh, database, right? So JSON is essentially our our data format uh, for Cosmos. Uh, so you get all of the benefits for being an, a NoSQL database, right? So we're schema agnostic. 
and in fact, we are multi-model as well. So we support our own native uh, JSON format as well as MongoDB and Cassandra and Gremlin and uh, table APIs. Uh, we're also horizontally partitioned, right? So Cosmos is a scale-out uh, database rather than, a, say, a scale-up, which you would see in uh, in kind of a relational uh, data uh, database and technology. Uh, we're also fully managed. Uh, so you essentially just provision an account in the portal or using an ARM template or a script, uh, set the uh, throughput you want, uh, and then that's it. You're pretty much done. I mean, you want to uh, you know, obviously monitor that, but you can essentially is all you need uh, at a minimum uh, with that. And then we manage uh, you know, all the other physical resources and everything else behind that. Uh, so, you know, the usage here, or where we see customers wanting a database like this, is uh, they want really high availability. Uh, and kind of the nice thing is we're also globally distributed, so we're a distributed data store as well. So you provision an account, and then you can add uh, regions, and we will replicate your data using a consistency level that you choose uh, into these other regions. So if a region has some sort of event or failure, uh, no problem. Your data is uh, still available, and your applications can continue to run and fail over into other regions. Uh, also, because we're partitioned, uh, we can provide really low latency on your data. And in fact, we're the only data service in Azure that provides an SLA on latency. Uh, so if you have a kilobyte or a megabyte of data or a petabyte of data, uh, you can do a point read, which is essentially just a lookup by ID uh, for a kilobyte of data or less, uh, and we'll guarantee that in less than 10 milliseconds. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so those are some interesting capabilities. Uh, you know, we're the only data service in Azure with five nines of availability as well. Uh, so you combine those two things and you've got something quite unique. And that's the appeal to what customers are, are, are wanting or what, or what they're looking at Cosmos for uh, is you've got this new world where you're building applications in the cloud. You need to design for resiliency, uh, for uh, you know, at multiple levels, uh, and we provide that. And then, you know, being horizontally partitioned, you can, you know, essentially scale in infinitely, I guess. I mean, it's theoretically infinitely uh, for whatever your needs are. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's so, you know, from a, a business aspect, uh, customers that have mission critical applications, they just can never go down, uh, look to Cosmos. And then also applications that need, uh, extreme low latency uh, also looked at Cosmos uh, as well. But we see the full spectrum. I mean, you don't have to have those as requirements to use Cosmos, uh, but customers like the fact that they can get that uh, from a database like us. And so, Dave, I know you've got, you know, you've got a, a I'll call it a, a bit of a bias in most of the projects that you've worked on since I've been at ObjectSharp. CosmosDB has been, you know, I'll call it the central sort of data repository and store and stuff like that. So maybe yeah. talk about, you know, your angle in it and, and why that, it has been such a preference for the, the types of projects and stuff you worked on because you've worked from big to small companies uh, where this has been sort of pivotal to the back end success from an architecture. Yeah, so I can talk to a couple of things. The The first driver was actually ease of development because we all got tired of having to map these objects into all these different relational tables all the time. So um, JSON, you know, lends itself to a nice hierarchical format already. So we're, we're writing all of this code where it's like, okay, go grab all these rows from this table, go grab all these. And so that was kind of my my entry. And then I found out that it's so quick, I don't even need to think about caching in most 
you know, most of the time, like 10 <laughs> milliseconds, right? You're, yeah, that's you're hitting insane. 10 millisecond hits. Where if you move to something like Redis Cache, you're only five and six milliseconds. But like what project are you on where 10 milliseconds isn't quick enough? So the old day was you had all this data in SQL and you had to figure out how to piece it all together back into objects. And that took some time. So what did you do? You threw it into a cache. So now you had to support two different pieces of infrastructure and what happens when your cache gets stale and all those types of problems. So to me, when we started working with Cosmos, it, it had a familiar feeling API. It was really easy to start reading and writing data. And then it was blindingly quick. And now, yeah, I can start replicating my data closer to the end user. So it's quick everywhere, right? So even if we have you know customers in West Coast, Vancouver, they're getting the same performance that our customers in Toronto are getting. And that was kind of the beginning. So from there, um, yeah, the, we started just so cool. using it as our core tech. I will say there's still some good use cases for SQL, but we always kind of start with Cosmos as the, the core tech. And then if SQL reporting is required, we typically listen into the change feed, which we can talk about. So we'll take the data coming out of Cosmos or being written into Cosmos and stream it back into SQL and they can do more traditional reporting. But for us, yeah, it's become the... Uh, foundational uh, data piece. So cool. So, yeah, you, to you bring up that. an interesting point. Yeah. We see a lot of customers uh, who have uh, looked to using Cosmos as a cache yeah. uh, as well and just setting yeah. up simple key <laughs> value pairs Yeah, uh, and then using it that way because they're getting, even at, even Cosmos, I mean, you could still at 50th, 50th percentile, so like half the requests you're still going to get at like four or five milliseconds. So uh, great latency. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so just to recap, like, because I find that sort of cool is sometimes with the new technology that comes out, yeah, there's a huge learning curve, right? Yeah. Which is a challenge for organizations that are not technology companies. And realistically, you know, on this podcast, you know, we've got Microsoft, we've got Object Chart, we live and breathe this technology every day, yeah, right. And so, what I'm excited about by that is it's solving real business problems at both global scale levels, but it wasn't something hard to adopt. Right. And in fact, it's simplifying, as you said, architectures, right, and solutions people need to put forward, right, which to me is really exciting from a business type standpoint that it should be within reach of a lot of people. Because I know sitting on the business side, when I talk to people, there's sometimes a bit of, you know, fear and trepidation, right, about these newer technologies because it changes the way they've always done things, right? And uh, and that to me is a bit of a fascinating thing as you know, we try to educate more people and all that other stuff on, you know, this is within grasp and it solves real problems that they need. Right, so the the barrier to entry to me wasn't tech related. The, the SDKs evolved a lot. The first version wasn't as good, but the new version three right now, it's at a really nice spot. But the barrier I think for most people is shifting their mind from relational data to mm-hmm. document-based data and you know, how composed should those documents be? And, um, but truth is, is people have been working with JSON for a long time. I mean, Mm. it's the, it's the data, you know, um, transport over into the front end, right? So the front end has been using JSON forever. So they've been thinking that way. And we're just starting to think that way now in the back end, how to compose the documents, how to link them. Yeah. On on the technical part too, I think, I think there's a number of APIs that Cosmos supports. Is is that right, Uh, Dave and Mark? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, there's SQL, MongoDB, Cassandra, Gremlin, I think. Yeah, um, Gremlin and Table. And ta- okay. Yeah, and Table. Yeah, cool. Um, awesome. So, there's going to be one. Yeah. Like, if you're coming from a Mongo background, yeah. it's almost 
I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but it's almost like compliant. Like the the APIs are pretty close, yeah. right? The but then you're getting an enterprise supported and, and thought of as an enterprise solution yeah. out of the box. So so it's not I'll call it technology for technology's sake. It's leveraging all this cool stuff underneath the covers, but it's effectively wrapped up in stuff that address enterprise and business issues. That's right. So we'll have devs yeah. start with Mongo, um, you know, spin it up in a little container, run it locally. Then they can actually ship that, you know, into into Azure, and it's this fully managed global solution now. That's yeah, and that's what the customers who we see uh, just don't want to manage Mongo on VMs anymore. So they'll they'll look to us, and <laughs> we just released support for server version three point six, uh, and then G eight our aggregation pipeline uh, support, and a whole bunch of other uh, support and features in there. So um, I think we we lagged behind a little bit there uh, for Mongo, but we're rapidly catching up on that, and we're just continuing to push hard on that, and we want to provide really the best. Mongo support uh, possible uh, for uh, for Mongo users on Cosmos. So uh, super critical and important to us uh, to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Mark, maybe um, we can talk a bit about um, sort of, because it, it, it sounds like you know, you're doing a lot of work in that area, but um, maybe we could uh, talk a bit about what's new with Cosmos this year. Um, I did see um, at Microsoft Ignite this year, um, there were a number of talks uh, around this, and Andrew Liu had one. Um, uh, which we thought was great. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounds like there's a whole range of features that you guys have been working on and, and turning out over the last year. I wonder if we could um, maybe maybe talk about what your highlights are. Yeah, we yeah. released a ton of stuff yep. at Ignite last year. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones was uh, what we call Autopilot. Uh, and that's basically kind of an auto scale capability for, for Cosmos DB. So one of the things that uh, customers... Uh, can sometimes be frustrated by is not knowing how much throughput to provision uh, for their database. Uh, and to be honest, it's not always their fault. In some cases, unexpected surges uh, or loads in their application uh, can cause uh, issues uh, where they just did not anticipate, like, you know, just a crazy amount of traffic hitting their app or their site. Uh, and so they needed a way to be able to respond to that uh, such that they weren't getting uh, 429s or rate limits. Uh, for the throughput on their database. So uh, we've been working for, on this for a long time, but now we've got this autopilot, which is in preview. Uh, so customers can go and I uh, and just sign up for the preview, or I believe it may be just open now, so they can enable it on their accounts. Uh, and uh, what they can do is they can set like a maximum level of throughput uh, for the container uh, in their account. Uh, and then we will basically uh, automatically scale uh, that up and down uh, from 10% of whatever your max is to up to the max on there. So if you think, hey, I only need like 100,000 RU on this thing, uh, then great, you set your max for 100,000. And then if the application's quiet, we'll just run it at 10,000. Uh, but if you get unexpected surges, uh, no problem. Uh, we'll automatically scale it up uh, and manage that uh, for customers. So this is something uh, I think customers are really uh, excited about. I know I'm excited about it. Uh, because it really kind of solves a problem where, hey, I don't have unexpected, you know, I have, I have unexpected surges <laughs> you have a problem, uh, in usage, uh, and I'm not quite sure. You, you have a problem, but you have a good problem. Like uh, you, suddenly, there's a lot of traffic and interest in your application. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other place too we see customers using this is in like dev test, right? Yeah. Like they're writing an application and they're not quite sure 
like how much throughput they should have. And so right. as they're going and kind of running some water through the pipes in their application and doing you know unit and integration tests on there and putting load on it, how much how much RU do I actually need to support X number of users? And so this is another place where uh, customers are seeing value out of this is uh, in just setting up dev test uh, subscriptions or accounts uh, and then setting those to auto, autopilot so they can see what am I actually using under load. So, And I think that's important from a business standpoint too, which is always hard as people transition to the cloud, especially to paths like services is what's it going to cost me? Right. And, and, you know, business is always worried about sort of the variability behind it. Right. And if they set something too high and it's not being used, you know, the costs and stuff associated to that. So these automatic adjusting, you know, I, I've been impressed with Microsoft across all its services to try to do the right thing based upon the demand. And as Nick said, you know, if you're getting a surge, chances are it means you're getting more business or something's happening that, you know, is helping the organization, they're willing to pay for that. Um, so I think features like that are really, really good, both technically and on the business side. Yeah, and it's funny because for every project, we have to write that auto scale feature ourselves. So <laughs> now I can just turn it on in the portal. Um, but yeah, we, you know, oftentimes there's scenarios where if you're doing a whole bunch of bulk importing of data, you have to scale up or you're going to start hitting those 429s throughput exceptions. But then for your regular day to day reads, and writes, it's it's fine. So yeah, uh, Mark, we actually had to create our own auto scaling client. So now I'll be happy to just use yours. <laughs> yeah, You've that's got... uh, right. So you don't have to do all that engineering in terms of uh, writing your own. We have a lot of customers uh, have, that have done precisely that, and this just re removes the the need for for doing uh, such a thing because we'll automatically manage it for you. So cool. Uh, really excited about that. Um, the other thing, and I don't know if you saw this during the keynotes, was uh, uh, Azure Synapse, uh, which is kind of our next generation data warehouse. Uh, and uh, in support of that, we released a preview, a private preview of uh, our analytical storage engine. Uh, and plan there is we're going to do uh, Synapse integration uh, uh, with that. So, you know, you talked earlier about wanting to use change feed because you want to do reports out of SQL. Uh, kind of our vision for that is you can use Cosmos uh, with Synapse uh, and get your operational data and then do your uh, do your analytics uh, out of the Synapse uh, workspace and portal out of that. So uh, the way that works is with our analytical storage engine is um, anytime you ingest or write data uh, into Cosmos, we will automatically ETL that uh, into a uh, column store uh, format or Parquet format. Uh, and then uh, you can run queries uh, using Spark. Nice. Uh, in Synapse uh, to be able to do your analytics on there. So um, we're really excited. The, this is an amazing future that's kind of unfolding before us uh, in kind of bringing together, you know, operational data and, and analytical data uh, to kind of one one place. Yeah, that's super so, cool. So it, that sounds like you can use um, maybe I'll just try to summarize, but you can use Cosmos as like a like an updatable data lake uh, effectively, and then use Synapse to run analytics on on that. Yeah, it's kind of the idea. I mean, you can, you know, if you're going to use Cosmos for your uh, for your operational storage, yep, yep. Uh, you don't need to create your own pipelines and other stuff to to push data into into Parquet format and then do your Spark. Yeah, because a lot of times what we're doing is using Data Factory or, like I said, listening to the change feed, and you're ultimately putting it into sort of a relational structure that the customer wants. Well, you know, with this tech, they could just do their analytics right out of 
So once again, simplifying yeah. the architecture. Simplifying the architecture. Right? And you're not less... managing any of that stuff now. Yeah. yeah. That's right. It's all managed. Right. Less pieces involved, therefore less risk, right? Yeah. And a lot of people like Apache Spark and things like that for doing, you know. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I saw the if you go now and, and actually click an account in preview, it says, do you want to set up your 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 notebooks and things like that? Like you can connect it all in. Wow. So Yeah, so we have notebook support now. Uh that's we'll GA that sometime later, uh, this spring here. Uh so you can go and build notebooks and go and uh write notebooks and do uh, uh talk to your uh your operational your row store data. Uh, the eventual thing, once we get uh, all the analytics built in, is you can then do notebooks to essentially do all of your analytics as well. Uh, and do that all within Cosmos, by the way. Nice. Super cool. Yeah. One-stop shop. Uh, you guys talked about yeah. doing bulk uh, or uh, ingestion. We also uh, introduced bulk support in our .NET SDK uh, recently as well. So um, now uh, with our version 3 SDK, uh, essentially you can turn on bulk mode within the connection policy. So before you had to use a different library uh, to do uh, bulk uh, operations, now it's built into the SDK, uh, which is super easy um, uh, to be able to use that. So uh, really happy about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I noticed too in the in the, in the the notes uh, at Ignite, uh, you guys are playing with private endpoints. Um, is that a new feature that's coming down the pipe? Yeah, so uh, we previewed private endpoints. Uh, I don't know when the GA for that is. That's the, the it's all coming out of the networking team. But we've basically enabled that for customers uh, in preview, and uh, I think they're going to be rolling that out over the uh, next few months uh, to GA. And and just for folks who who might not quite know what that means at a practical level, um, could you just elaborate on that, Mark? Uh, right. So uh, Cosmos as a service provides a public endpoint for your data. Uh, and you can use service endpoints uh, to be able to provide uh, uh, kind of private communications uh, between your clients and Cosmos. And then the private endpoints essentially only exposes a private IP that's uh, services in your subnet. Uh, so I think the scenario around there is around preventing things like data exfiltration and stuff like that uh, is the idea with uh, the private endpoints. But essentially it ensures that uh, everything is on private uh, network. Uh, for your applications. Yeah, security is paramount for all the things that are up there, right? It's like been it's, one it's... of the most like requested feature. <laughs> I want to put my Cosmos DB in my VNet because we're connecting to it through our express route. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, shut it off from the public completely. And we saw that same with yep. yeah. API management and its evolution basically of supporting those things as well. It, yeah. To me, it's it's the right thing, right? Like it's, uh, you know, when it's public out there, you got to think about security at all levels through what you're doing. Yeah. So it makes sense. Okay. I want to switch it a bit. So, Mark, we, you know, in the preamble and stuff we talked a bit earlier, what I'd love to hear from you is just like over the last year, because I'm sure you interact not just from an engineering standpoint, but with customers and understanding scenarios and stuff like that. So if you think back, maybe it's a bit tough over the, the last year. And so like, just talk about some of, I'll call it the, the cool solutions and examples and stuff like that where, where Cosmos DB really shone, right? For, for the customers, you don't have to mention customer names. If you can, that's great. But, uh, but just like some of those real world sort of scenarios and stuff like that, where this is really hit home, right? You know where I'm seeing uh, huge uptake is in customers that are either uh, building new or modernizing applications, and particularly going and building uh, microservices uh, around these things. Uh, you know, one of the coolest yet most 
probably largely unknown features in Cosmos is uh, our change feed uh, within there. And the way that works is uh, it's essentially kind of a PubSub store for uh, CRUD operations in Cosmos. So you write new data or write data into Cosmos or update data into Cosmos. Uh, it gets registered in our change feed, and then you can subscribe to those using our change feed library or Azure Functions with the fun with the chain with the Cosmos bindings, uh, and then do something with that. Whether it's uh, I don't know, write a message or send an email or uh, uh, or push the data into another collection or container uh, or call a service and kick off some process. Uh, this is you know uh, kind of an amazing uh, way of bringing you know Cosmos in your data. Uh, and together into kind of this microservices event-driven type of architecture, which is, uh, you know, where a lot of customers are taking their applications these days. Uh, and just, the, you know, so the scenarios can be anything from uh, lots of IoT, uh, but even, you know, retail. I mean, think about retail where, you know, if you go into a, a website and you buy something, you click purchase, that's basically everything from that is kind of spawning different, uh, uh, events, if you will, right? Like you've got to go and uh, uh, run your credit card. You've got to send a thank you email. You've got to go uh, let the warehouse know to go pick, pack, and ship this thing. Uh, you know, all these things happen uh, disconnected, asynchronously from each other, and, and it's all driven by these events. And it needs to start from somewhere. Uh, so you know, start it from the database, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and go and enable these uh, this type of architecture. So. Um, just you know the the uses and variety of workloads that we see customers using Cosmos in that kind of way to enable these type of event driven uh, microservices and architectures is uh, is just amazing uh, to see and it's you know we, one of the things we're very happy about and we wish customers uh, were more aware of the feature because it, it really does solve a lot of problems uh, uh, for you know how to design and, and build these kind of scalable applications. Yeah, because it's, you know, because we started off by saying when we look at sort of the premise behind it is, you know, incredibly low latency replication around the world. And I know as I've talked to ISVs, as they look to, you know, open up new offices and stuff like that in different regions, like, you know, rather than having the six or nine month of building data centers and all that other stuff, it's, you know, the click of something to basically be able to support in the different areas. But there's only so many of those scenarios. So I really like your your whole publish subscribe type thing, right? Because it, and what Dave was talking about, because it simplifies the architecture, but it's also not looking at, I'll call it just the elite of accounts that really have a global sort of presence in what they need to do. But this is hitting, you know, even small shops that want to be more innovative and, and basically really drive that cloud native sort of solution, yeah. right? So it's, it, because originally when it came out, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's for the biggest of companies, right? But, but it, really what you're saying is that anyone that really wants to look at a modern architecture and break down monolithic sort of apps and stuff like that. And we're big believers in functions and in that whole model and, and Dave and his team develop against that. Like it really helps them, right? And, well, you're and, building smaller, discrete, you know, pieces of, of code that react to events, as yeah. Mark was saying. And um, the chain feed comes free. Like it's not like you're paying extra for that. It's just a feature of Cosmos and there's built-in functions to listen to it right out of the box. So it doesn't take a lot of infrastructure to get all that up and running. And then it can kind of grow. Um, I mean, you can do the hello world of let's listen to the change feed and you know have a function that spits it back through SignalR and you can see the changes being listed in real time in the browser or on a mobile phone or whatever. So, yeah. But, yeah. but more practically, you were saying that you were using it in actual client projects, right? Like, yeah. And that includes, I guess, um, 
uh, like I don't like won't name names, but uh, <laughs> that includes I guess uh, I happen to know larger projects, uh, larger clients with uh, more sophisticated um, requirements, um, as well as um, smaller clients that um, just can actually leverage the benefits of this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the there is one project I I can speak to now. It's it's a, a global mining company and. Um, the replication feature that we're making use of is that the headquarters is in Singapore and the mines are around the world and they want to take the real-time mining data and you know different um, you know feeds and readings from devices and they're pumping it all into a cosmos that's closest to their region and then it's replicating up to Singapore where they can do you know decisions look at stuff and then feed their results back down so we don't have to worry about how to send the data back mm -hmm. and forth we're just like well right to your closest place and it replicates so cosmos took all of the the hard parts out and we're just writing a normal application so and i mean the latency that we're seeing is it's quite good even in strong consistency mode um it can hit three different regions within 40 milliseconds things like that you are limited by the speed of light like that's <laughs> that's, that's a I real problem but customers i'm like you don't often have to think about what the speed of light is when you're writing an application but in a distributed world uh it can become a factor and you kind of need to make sure that your application can tolerate those latencies that's right uh, if you need to commit and make durable data in multiple regions simultaneously because you know it's linearized uh when you're using strong consistency and it'll happen synchronously so um but you get zero data loss, right? It's RPO zero, so yeah, uh, it's the choice you have to make. It's the it's the old cap theorem uh, choice. Right? Yeah, you so. can't have every. Yeah, you see that with some customers sometimes, especially when you know Cosmos DB has such a great SLA, um, and uh, you know they they always want more behind it, right? And and you're right, you know the businesses need to look at it, saying what is it that they need, right, to drive things forward, because you know. I'd be hard pressed to find any business that has five nine sort of, of availability uh, for what they want. So it's uh, yeah, or uh, even the whole myth around the strong consistency thing. I think most of the applications can support this eventual consistency. Like, yeah. I mean, financial transactions aside, but yeah. for most of the apps that we've been working with, it's okay if that thing is you know a second behind or like yeah. And it's not even a second. It's like milliseconds behind, right? Yeah. So, And for the cost that yeah, you're paying Yeah, I find for. most customers are good with session level. Exactly. Uh, you know, where we're using the session token in there. Typically, uh, customers are going to read or write data f from the, the region they've been talking to, right? So if you're deployed in multiple regions, customers in Europe are going to talk to the Europe region. That's in right. In America, they'll talk to a U.S. region and so on. So global strong consistency doesn't make sense uh, for you know, most of the use cases there because, uh, well, one, because the latency is going to be insane if you have to globally replicate and commit data. Uh, but second, because frankly, customers are going to just talk to their closest region. So that's where you need, you know, the, the, the in-region strong, if you will, or just being able to read your own rights, which is what they can get uh, if they're using session and, uh, and then passing that session token. That's so cool. Yeah, awesome. So, I mean, Cosmos is opening us up to being able to do these things without having to think about all the hard chat. Like, doing this before, like, trying to, you know, come up with this using SQL databases or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean... Well, it would have been cost prohibitive, right? Yeah. You just think back before the cloud world in general, right? Like, just like 
the internet opened it up that you didn't know the size of companies and, and how you could do things. When we look at the cloud or Cosmos and all that other stuff, it's making solutions available to smaller organizations that they could never even dream of before, right? And they have a need for it, but their budgets would never have allowed them to sort of support that, right? right. And this is why, you know, whether it's a large or small company, you know, they, they need to look at these things and readdress as you're talking about, you know, modernizing applications, Mark. Like it's, to me, it's so important that they, they don't just think in the limitations of what existed when they created these apps five, 10 years ago. And they try to keep up with these newer, you know, fundamentally groundbreaking technologies and stuff like that. And think, how could this enhance the business in new ways that they never even thought about before? Yeah. Right. And the cloud makes that possible, right? Yep. Like writing uh, distributed applications with distributed databases uh, five, 10 years ago was insanely difficult mm -hmm. to do such a thing. Uh, and Cosmos solves a lot of those problems that makes getting a better availability, like getting five nines of availability out of your database uh, quite possible. Uh, and you know, and using features like MultiMaster, uh, where you can get a you know an RTO of zero uh, out of that thing, uh, just crazy. Uh, thinking you could do that ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing one thing that I really like about it too is like um, you know you get all of this sort of turnkey <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah. But it's uh, like you said, Dave. It's like oh, uh, I guess this year there's one less thing you have to write, which you know to clients and the bottom line is means. Hey, that's more features that you could actually be building on the app as opposed to just you know infrastructural type things that um, are sort of needed to make the app perform. Yeah, and it's it seems to be constantly evolving. Yeah. So I mean, we just got group by, which is great. So it's it's starting to get even like the variant of SQL that we're using on Cosmos is getting closer to what even traditional SQL is. It probably will never be directly on par, but the amount of things that we're used to doing in a relational database, we can now do in Cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, and they're you know, and they're fundamentally different too. And you know, if I see, if I see developers struggle anywhere, it's uh, it, it's trying to go from a relational way of thinking and data mm -hmm. to this horizontally, this partitioned uh, thinking. And then of course, also working with hierarchical data and JSON data. Uh, how do I model right objects uh, or data within there? Uh, how do I partition my data such that I don't uh, have hot partitions, uh, and then I can scale and grow effectively. It's those are hard problems uh, to design for and think through. Um, whereas you know, in kind of the SQL world, you know, look at that. SQL's been around now for what fifty years. Yeah, uh, that technology has evolved a lot. Uh, the you know the query engines and, and relational databases are very smart in being able to create query plans and and and, and run efficiently and effectively. Uh, not it's you know the the state of the art for kind of this. This new NoSQL type uh, world is, you know, it's not had 50 years to evolve, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, but it has advantages that you don't get in a relational mo in a model because it does it is a scale out, uh, but it forces you to have to think about what's the right partition strategy for my data, uh, so that I can uh, I can grow and scale effectively, and then what's the right model uh, for uh, the documents? Uh, you know, do I have an unbounded array inside this document? Uh, in which case, maybe I should not embed it. I should maybe reference it. Uh, those types of things. So just things you don't have to think about in a relational world because you just normalize the heck out of everything and then write queries to join it all together. Uh, but uh, yeah. but the benefits you get uh, when you do it right is uh, is impressive. Uh, and 
it's why we I, why I love the technology. Awesome. Well, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, uh, it's been great. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on and uh, hear all about the new and exciting things that are happening uh, with you folks on the Cosmos team. Um, we're gonna have to have you back someday to yeah. Maybe give us, I can't, give I can't us an wait update. for next yeah. year to say yeah, you yeah. know what's changed at the pace of change that's going on, right? But yeah. It's... So so thanks so much, Mark. And um... you bet. Well, if you guys are at Build this year, uh, come look me up. We'll have some more amazing, exciting things to talk about at Build this year. I promise you. So uh, awesome. Uh, so if uh, you guys are at Build, uh, come hit me up there, or uh, or let's meet up maybe uh, sometime after that, and we can uh, catch up. All right, you got it. We'll see you there. Okay. And thank you guys. Yeah, nice. thanks so much. Thanks, man. And for those of you who are listening, if you want to um, hit us up and uh, meet uh, Object Sharp, uh, you can find us again online at uh, ObjectSharp.com, and we're on Twitter and LinkedIn and all the social things. Same thing, uh, Object Sharp. And uh, yeah, we're going to be doing a bunch more of these podcasts this year, so stay tuned. And if you like what you heard, um, make sure to leave us a review on uh, the podcast uh, channel of your choice. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.